0: Welcome to episode one, where we are going to talk about social media, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we thought it was fitting for our first episode to talk about this as we are creating our brands and our businesses. This is a conversation that we've been in. We feel like it was a perfect segue into our first episode.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. And hello, Jamie. Hello, everybody who's listening. So excited to be here and to be talking with you more about social media because it has been something that we've been just establishing our businesses have shared so much content with each other about and it's just always come to a crossroads. I do not want to give myself to Instagram yet in, in that like example or in the sense of what I have to do to get all the followers. So this is a perfect topic to talk about and something I think a lot about when starting a business. Yeah, it's funny. I
0: originally, when I was creating the Instagram for jamiecornell.co, it was really fun. And I was on Canva, which if you don't use Canva, it could be for your personal Instagram, but also for your business Instagram. It's so user-friendly and creating content that's beautiful is, gosh, it just is so easy to do once you get the knack. And so that was actually a recommendation from Lo who created my website. She's turned me on to Canva and I'm really excited about it. And Sabina, I know you use it too. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. But that piece was really fun. It felt exciting and slowly, but surely as I was digging into the importance of social media and really creating the platform for which like how I wanted to use it for my business how much weight would be placed on social media as far as reaching clients and sharing free tools and things like that. But slowly and surely it became a task. And I found myself resisting it. And I was doing some research around how many followers you need in this world where social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you know, the amount of followers and the amount of likes you get is definitely a conversation and where the resistance is coming in for me is that I feel like as an entrepreneur, as a coach who has been coaching humans for upwards of 20 years, I don't want to be defined by how many followers I have. Not to say that I wouldn't love to have a really large reach each day or each time I post. And there's seems to be in our society today an obsession with likes and followers. And if you look at Two coaches, and you're comparing them, and one coach has, you know, 300 followers and one coach has 25,000 followers. You automatically assume that the one with the 25,000 followers is more of an expert or the real deal and a legit coach versus the one who does not. That to me is icky. And so,
1: and I think that's where we both agree, right? Where we just. We both have the same understanding of that and it's, it is icky. It's just, it blinds us, right, from what's mm-hmm. really there and what is actually the truth. I feel like 15, 20 years ago where we didn't have all this those smart devices, we were we were a lot more real and everything yeah. was a lot more real. So not to say Instagram and everything is bad, but I think the right dose is just what is healthy, right? And finding this right dose of it is just so hard in this world right now. Yeah. What do you think the right dose is? I don't really know. I keep asking myself that. And... I have tried a couple things. So I do know I waste a lot of time on social media too. I'm in the process of starting my business as a nutritional therapy practitioner and nutritional therapy coaching is also one-on-one. It can be also group settings, but it's mainly all online. So you have one-on-one online clients and therefore it is really important to have a social media presence. I do want to create free content and I want to do all that, but I get easily overwhelmed with where to start, and how to do it. So I think the right dose of that is just a really hard one to do because throughout different parts in your life, you just have a different dose of it and with time. But I I just noticed for me that When I don't have much on my schedule planned, I do tend to waste a lot of time on social media and I know it does something with me. It does something with my mood and it does something with my anxiety. It does something with my self-esteem and I used to wake up in the morning. The first thing I did is I sent, I, I turned off my alarm on the phone and then I right away went onto Instagram and I was looking at all the news. Everybody who posted something also, I'm also in a time change, so When it's morning here, it's night in America. So people are most active. And then I see right away what everybody over there is doing. And it just didn't feel good. So I changed it because I realized it's doing something with me. And I'm wasting like a good 20 to 30 minutes in the morning. So what I do basically now is I wake up, turn off the alarm, get ready for the day. And I really don't look at my phone until... I leave the door at 7 o'clock in the morning. And actually, the first thing I do is I talk to Jamie (laughs) (laughs) over Marco Polo. And that's kind of my social media use that I do. It's just sending you a message, hear how your day was, and talk about what we have planned. Yeah, that's kind of it. And then the first time I might look at Instagram is maybe around lunchtime. And that's been really nice. Like, I don't look at it as much anymore. So to find the balance and the right dose, I think that's the one for me. It's kind of using the time maybe at night, maybe 15 to 20 minutes to browse through it. Yeah. And it's so interesting.
0: Like you said, I mean, I feel like when I asked you what you think the right dose is, that was obviously a loaded question because it's not a one size fits all. And to your point, I think at any given point in your life, it will be different, right? As um, I don't even know that this would really be a a topic that i think too much about if i wasn't starting my own business and and securing the brand and looking at it from that point i mean i was doing a ton of research and you know it's something like you can make money if you wanted to monetize your your feed between 5000 and 10000 followers but when we talk about you know the tagline of being instagram famous there's 30000 followers is actually the low end of yeah i was just like to- an authority in your niche, right? Like thirty thousand is, and it's that's a lot of humans who you probably don't even know. Um, it's not like those are thirty thousand of your close friends or clients or peers who you've individually connected with. This is this is a following of people who you've never met for real in your life, and to actually be quote unquote insta famous. A hundred thousand followers is what, you know, the research shows should be your goal to really feel like you have the influence and the reach that you, you know, should. That to me seems like a lot of work. And I don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze. I mean, I feel like if I had 30,000 followers and I could exactly what you just said, give free content to, and if I could make a difference in, you know, some of those followers' lives with what I'm going through or the tools that I'm giving out that I have in my tool belt, then that would be amazing. And I don't know if that's actually what happens when you have that many followers and there's not a specific, genuine, intimate connection because you've actually reached them as a human.
1: Does that make sense? It totally does. And I mean, how many people are really genuine? That's the other thing, right? So with like those people you help, you probably get double the amount of people that will hate on, hate on you. Mm, yeah, And I don't want to drag this into a complete negative here, right? But I think realistically, if you're putting yourself out on social media and you're creating some content, there will be always people that will not like it or that agree differently with you or that just have a different opinion. And it's just so easy now over social media to voice your opinion because you can hide behind the screen, right? Nobody will see you. So I think you have to be mentally prepared that that will happen.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I've had this conversation with my daughters before. And for those of you who don't know me personally, I have a 19-year-old who is away at college. And we also have a th- almost 14-year-old. She's a little past 13 and a half. And so they're right in the thick of social media. They've grown up not knowing anything but a world that is inclusive of social media and we have these conversations around would you say that to someone if you were in person and looking them in the eye and if so then maybe you should go ahead and post it and obviously i might be biased but I, I totally am but you know i have really good humans that are you know my children and so i don't expect them to be going around on social hiding like you said in the platform because they don't actually have to face the person that they're speaking to or speaking about. And at the same time, it's a really, you know, it's a really good lesson. Um, Kaylee, my youngest daughter and I went to facials earlier this week and she, I was, you know, we talked about it and she's like, can we book the appointments? I was like, yeah, go ahead. She's like, oh, they don't do it online. You have to call them. I'm like, okay, we'll go ahead and call, you know, anytime after four on Thursday is good. So just book it. And she looked at me and she's like, I have to call. I was like, yeah, pick up the phone and call. And she did. And she, when she was done with it, she comes into my office and she's like, oh, that was really stressful. And I was like, what do you mean it was stressful? She's like, well, I just, she was asking me questions and I had to, like, I couldn't even think about it. I just had to answer. She's like, it's stressful to talk to people on the phone. And I just kind of giggled inside because, you know, I gave her a hug and told her I was proud of her for doing something she was nervous about. But
1: isn't it so interesting so
0: interesting.
1: It's, it blows my mind too. And I, well, it makes me think like, am I old? Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I guess. But it
0: really makes me understand and appreciate when grandparents or parents, you know, do that whole cliche tagline. Well, in my day, because yeah. I get it now. And for me, I would almost always rather pick up the phone and have a very quick conversation. I do this a lot, uh, in work, right. Instead of sending an email, instead of sending a text where a lot of times it can get misinterpreted or if you're Mm -hmm. really busy and you just browse through it, it doesn't land the way that it's supposed to. And, um, you know, so I always prefer a very quick call over a text or an email because you can you can hear the voice, you can be interactive and there's so much less opportunity for misunderstanding of the intention.
1: I but totally can- get that too. I have I I have encountered the same the same situations with just colleagues or in my regular day job I lead a team a lot of my team members are younger or they're just not emotionally events that they can handle conversations sometimes. Yeah. So, and it's just telling them to call a different department or calling a customer or calling somebody is just the hardest thing. Like there's literally a fight about who is calling the person instead of picking up the phone and just doing it. But they can write emails. They can write teams message whatever it is right they they can communicate on a computer but they cannot communicate on the phone it feels awkward to them sometimes they feel they haven't fully understood what they meant or how they said it the thought that just came to me was also are we maybe at a point already where you don't understand human connection or human communication understanding the tone of voice right because you're not having that when you write or when you can just text are maybe younger kids, not misinterpreting it, but you and me who are so used to being on a call misinterpret text. Absolutely. And I think it, it's so
0: easy to do, right? Because take our name, for example, don't fuck it up. So if I'm texting that, and you don't have the context of why and i'm in i'm intending it as a joke and like a almost almost like a a pep talk right like don't fuck it up like that's what my intention is and you are not having a good day and you are hangry and so when you read it you read it as don't fuck it up it's, yeah totally different, right? There's just way too much room for error and misinterpretation. And I also think, you know, and this is maybe something for a different episode, but the lack of in the moment, very transparent and vulnerable feedback, right? Like I can trust you. If I send you a text and you are interpreting it as I'm being a bitch, like you'll call me out on it and be like, do you need to eat? Or like, what's going on with you? (laughs) <laughs> and I'll be like, "Oh my gosh, no, I meant it as a joke. Sorry. I'm doing 12 things and it was I just, you know, it was very succinct or short or whatever and I would explain it." But I think along with that human interaction piece where, you know, my my Kaylee who is not shy by any means and she's very gung-ho and do it herself and take the bull by the horns was nervous to chat with a human on the phone to create an appointment, I think how many other adolescents and teenagers are really truly giving each other feedback when their feelings are hurt or they have a question about, hey, what did you actually mean by this, right? So it's this snowball effect that I think is pretty close to turning into an avalanche when we talk about other research that I know you and I have done about this topic with depression and mental mental illness and anxiety that comes with the pressures that especially teens and early 20s I would say feel based off of their online presence and and followers and likes and it's I don't know what to do about it but it's it's sad and I think
1: the first thing to do about it is really talking to your kids right and talking to whoever you experience it with um, just creating the conversation and the observance and the lessons around that. I just, I don't think we can stop it from what it is because it just, just a social media environment and that world is just massive. Right. Right. Yeah. I think the first thing of creating or like not creating, <laughs> but raising super confident and aware children is the first step of maybe reversing that effect that is already happening.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think about that
0: too, you know, for Kaylee right now, she's, like I said, almost 14. And this, this girl, she's got the entrepreneurial spirit, like nobody's business. Uh, she at the age of nine created her own lip gloss company, which was funded by you know, her parents and, uh, she's this week.
1: Does it still exist?
0: Hang on. Does it still exist? Yeah, she has. Well, I'll send you her Instagram account. You can check it out. Oh my God. Send me her lip gloss. Um, Aloha gloss. Yeah. So, so, you know, there's that. And then, you know, slowly it pittered out, but, um, so now, And she's very into, just like you and I are, all things like beauty products, you know, from dry shampoo to soap to facial things. That's definitely her jam. So now we are on body butter and soap. So like body care, and she's making it with all natural ingredients. Actually, yesterday, my house smelled so great because she was using cocoa butter. So what she created, and I I get to be the tester, which is always really fun. And she was in the kitchen, mixing it up and... We were talking about how much it actually is going to cost per per unit for her to make, what her time is worth, what the shipping will be, and then using that to extrapolate out what the retail cost would be and what she would offer it for sale to her to her clients. And so we're going through that whole process, which I really love that strategy piece and getting her brain working because, you know, part of me agreeing to fund these entrepreneurial efforts. (laughs) is really (laughs) trying to teach her the foundations of business and strategy and finance and commerce and all of those things. So it's really fun for me to be able to be in that work with her at such a young age. And when we got to the marketing piece and the social media piece, I actually, like my excitement turned to a little bit of fear, to be honest, and worry because I'm thinking, what if people don't follow her and what if people don't like her posts and what if people don't engage and buy these things from her like how mm-hmm. how will she handle it will it hurt her feelings will she give up or will it make her more and more determined to continue on and so that process has been in my mind this week which is so interesting of me having my own journey within social media for my brand and business and then now Kaylee you know, having the same thing. And for me, I would, like I said, I would love to have a hundred thousand followers, monetize it, help people engage and have just like this really beautiful community online. And that's... Not if it doesn't happen, that's not actually why I'm doing this. So for me, I'm very clear that while that would be amazing, or at least I think it would be amazing. I've never done it. So I don't know. I have the idea that it would be really awesome. That's not what I'm after. That's not my end goal. And so I'm Mm -hmm. really solid and secure that no matter how many likes I get or don't get, I know what I'm doing is for me and hopefully to help at least one person in the world. But on the flip side with my daughter, the mama bear comes out and I'm like, you guys better like her stuff. You better follow her.
1: (laughs) But what was the conversation you guys ended up having about that topic?
0: Yeah. So we had a really good conversation. And I think, you know, like I said, um, you know, I'm always biased with our own children, but she has a really good head on her shoulders and she's very aware of both the pitfalls and the pros because there are so many beautiful things I about social media, like you said, not to turn this into a negative conversation. I think it just needs to be really transparent that the amount of followers and likes that you get does not equate to your value or your worth. Right. And That's it doesn't point to
1: the money, right? It doesn't really point the money because followers can be also fake. Exactly. Exactly. So, in that case, I
0: feel like just being open and honest and I know that, you know, the harder it gets harder the older they get and a lot of times I think You know, for me, I don't actually understand what it was like to only grow up with social media. So it might be easier for me to take this line of my followers do not equal my value and worth in this world because I know a place where Instagram didn't even exist. And Mm -hmm. so I try to really think from that perspective as well and be open to the conversations. And sometimes it's really hard. Yeah. What will you do with Quinny how old
1: is she now she's almost two and I already think about every time I post a video a picture of me and her or dad and her or dog and her part of me is worried that I'm posting this because I don't know if she actually wants that even she can't make a decision she is her own person and maybe in 10 years she is like mom this still exists of me and why did you post it that so that's number one number two is obviously there's a lot of shit out there too on the internet and people can just pull pictures. You don't know what happens to them.
0: It's such an interesting point. My mind is a little bit blown right now because I'm like, Ooh, like what did I, I never asked them when they were little to post their Halloween photos or whatever it was. Right. And now it's so interesting that you say that because Kaylee, when we take selfies or when we're, you know we're taking pictures of um hikes or whatever it is that we're up to she will look at the photos and we have an agreement i'm not allowed to post anything until she looks at them and says yes you can post it or no you can't you know and sometimes i'm like can i just post it and she's like no do not do it and we, but she's old enough to tell me and i think she's a little bit hypersensitive about it she's a beautiful girl and you know it the pictures that she thinks there's something wrong with i think are gorgeous but maybe that's just the mom and me
1: but she is already that conscious about it she's already this worried about how she is perceived by others or is it really a thing that's like within herself or does she has a different reason other than for the looks
0: I think it's for the looks and I think that's also that's not only due to social media, right? Like I remember when I was 13, I was hypersensitive about how I looked. So I think that's definitely her age and her gender. And, you know, that's a whole nother conversation about the pressures that society puts on men and women to be fit, look their best, act a certain way, those kinds of things. So I think it's it's not just the social media, but I do feel so thankful that, and I was a good kid, But I feel so thankful that there was not the opportunity for photos and videos of every single thing I did every day of my life when I was growing up.
1: And I agree fully. And this just reminded me of something that I just came across about two months ago. I visited my parents and my brother was there too. And my husband, obviously, and I was there with my family. And I found in the attic of my parents a box, an old box with all pictures And I kept looking at those pictures and they were literally all pictures from me partying when I was about 15, 16, 17, up to like 19, right before I left to move to United States, to California. And it was just so embarrassing. And thinking about this right now, it's like, I'm so happy social media didn't exist in that way back then. Because those pictures, I looked at them, I was like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. I kind of wanted to throw away the pictures. I was like, that was such a different me. And of course, it made the person who I am because those were experiences. And for some of you don't know, in Germany, you can drink at a really young age. (laughs) And I probably had my first drink when I was 13 or maybe even 12. And probably hard liquor when I was 15. And from there on, it was just partying all the time. You could go to clubs when you were 16 or 15. And in a sense, it was, I hope my daughter is not turning out to be like me. (laughs) I don't think that was easy on my parents. And I'm glad social media didn't exist back then. Because also, if I would have posted something... Parties, they would have blown up in such mass. Like, <laughs> if you post nowadays, hey, come to my house, here's a party, you have automatically like 100 people or 200 people showing up. Like, those pictures were just so embarrassing. And what is Quinn going to think about me? Like, if she would see that now, right? Or what would any job would have thought about me if I would have posted pictures like this? It's just crazy to me. And I regret a little bit doing all the things I did but at the same time I don't because by the time I was 21 and lived in the United States I was fully done partying and drinking.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm glad we didn't have this much social media as we do now and I also I also love social media because I get to connect with friends that are really far away and I get to share developments and milestones from Quinn and I get to celebrate that and I see things that I never thought existed before and you become so much more aware of amazing places to travel to or a connection that I had with you and rejuvenated our relationship here and we reconnected and that just all happened over social media, right? So there's definitely good things coming out of it. Yeah,
0: I think, you know, and tying it back into wellness, exactly what you just said, like I have... um a cousin in Utah that I very very rarely see and we're very we were very close growing up before she moved away and I get to see her boys online and their first you know pictures when they go to the first day of school and so I've always used social media as a place for fun and family. I know a lot of people use it for business, which now I'm dabbling in. Um, a lot of people use it for political views and things like that. And there's no right or wrong answer, but my personal choice has always been to keep it about family and about fun. And I think as long as you have boundaries and you know, why do you participate in Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever it is? And keep those boundaries so that you're true to yourself. I think that's how you can really make sure that you don't fall into a trap and just have those gut checks, right? If you feel exactly. like I know so many people who have taken and they'll post it like, hey, I'm on a 30-day Facebook break. If you wanna reach out to me, please call me or whatever. And so I think it's almost like, you know, when you do a January reset for your physical body, I think having those social media gut checks check-ins and potentially doing a social media blackout to reset and regroup and and understand hey when i'm not actually like you said earlier spending my free time scrolling through feeds i actually got a lot done or i got to read a book or you know whatever it is connect with friends i think it's it's that boundary piece that is so essential yeah. to how we navigate and make sure that We're not falling into the trap of having to look a certain way, having to have a certain amount of followers and clicks and likes and, you know, monetize an influencer page and all of the rest that comes with it.
1: I'm right there with you with this statement. Like, I have a social media account to see updates about friends and also update them about my life a little bit and to post some recipes and some food like that I hope... Some people will ask me for the recipe or they will recreate. Or I also follow people that are just really involved in the nutritional therapy business. And I get to reconnect with my tribe um, of all the NTPs that are out there. So, which is really beautiful. And it keeps it. I look for content where I can actually learn from. And I notice I used to love to watching Keeping Up With The Kardashians. <laughs> That's like a guilty pleasure. But I just noticed that having too much of it completely changes my values. So when I look at that, I actively look for it. They are not somebody I follow. If I want to find out something about them, I just look at it, binge for like five minutes or 10 minutes, and then I go off their page. So I don't have that in my feed and I don't see updates about them. It's just so
0: it's such a great call out and in the spirit, I guess, of don't fuck it up. Literally just now, my phone is next to me. My husband is flying right now. He's um, been working on the mainland. And so I've just keeping an eye on his flight. And (laughs) my phone opened up and it was like, jamiecornell.co, you have a new follower. And I was like, ooh, who's following me? (laughs) It's this balance and it's this fine dance, I think, of being excited about the possibility of more human connection through this beautiful tool that we can talk like you and I exactly what you said we reconnected you are in Germany 12 hour time zone different from me here on Oahu and we talk every single day through Marco Polo through you know Alatu when we're recording our podcasts and WhatsApp when we need a quick text and it's so beautiful and wonderful. And at the same time, just making sure it feels positive and happy. Like when I saw that and I was like, Ooh, who is it? That is the piece that I want to hold on to that excitement, not the, okay, I guess I need to hop on Canva and create some content and make sure that my feed looks aesthetically pleasing. And you know, it feels like a chore. The more that we talk about this, the better I feel about utilizing this for the things that light me up and make me feel excited and allow me to share a gift and a tool with the rest of the world and say, no, thank you. You know, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a hell no. And I think adopting that uh, stance with social media, especially as a female entrepreneur, where you are judged by how many followers you have or how many followers you don't have, that is for me how I think I need to really create those boundaries and that happy space to utilize this tool.
1: Yeah, and I think it's also like a funny point that comes up to me when you started talking about your business and how you want to create that social media page and using that as a tool. We used to have business cards, right? And you would give them that and now it's like people asking, oh, what's the Instagram handle? Before you even want to do a phone call and talk to that person in person, you rather look at their Instagram and show what they can give you and what you can receive. So it is a good way of doing it. But I also, I'm old school in that sense too, where I'm like, I saw they were recommended or yeah, they have a good reputation in our city or by a friend. i rather call them than literally looking up their Instagram handle. And I have met a lot of professionals that are in the health room that are just don't even use any social media. They're not on Yelp. They're nothing. <laughs> you can yeah. find them. Yeah. And it's just word of mouth. So it works that way too. And I think that's something that we just need to tell the younger generation that that can be a way too. like communication outside of writing and outside of social media is super important to have that in your repertoire and yeah i i still the the reason why i struggle setting up my social media page and go more in depth with it and creating that content is i believe right now it takes away from my creativity takes away time that i could spend doing a podcast with you thinking about something like i don't and i can probably create that content we create here that you and I create together, I could probably put that in words and make it really beautiful and for more people to see it and to share it. And that's the plan, right? But at the moment right now, I feel really content about not overly sharing.
0: Yeah. And that is another interesting point. I was thinking, so you and I first met working together at a high-end athleisure company. But one of the things that happened last year that really didn't sit well with me, and it felt like this company that I had fallen in love with had really taken a shift towards a much more corporate stance, and it was feedback that I was given by a team member because I was not posting political support, and the feedback was basically, well, you're not actively posting that you are supporting You know, XYZ. So if you don't post that, that gives the impression that you're not supportive. And it was really tough because as a people leader in this company, first of all, as I said, I'd always, my social media had always been for family and fun. I've never used it for political stances or social stances. I just, not that I don't have them, I'm highly opinionated. (laughs) You know this, Sabina. I have these opinions and I've just never chosen to engage in social media with those things. If you are my close friend, you know where I stand. And I would hope that, you know, the people on the team that I was leading understood the type of human I am and knew could extrapolate from that where I stand without me shouting it from the rooftops. But I also felt like as a people leader, I don't want to alienate anyone who has different views than me. So it was definitely something that I sat with and struggled with during, you know, 2020 was a very difficult year for very many reasons, but it just didn't sit right with me that it's either you shout it from the rooftops in support, or that means you're part of the problem. And it's, I still have very mixed feelings on it. And I still don't know that I have a very clear standpoint that I could articulate very well if I were to be given that feedback or have that conversation again.
1: Yeah, (sighs) that's some, that's some, some heavy stuff right there, I feel like, because that's just, what do you do in those situations? You go about your own beliefs or your core values, or you are seen and perceived by somebody else that you have beliefs that are not true. Do you know what I mean? It's just- what do you do in those situations and are you jumping on the bandwagon and just gonna gonna post something it's Mm -hmm. not that you don't believe in it but you don't see the need and if somebody would come up to you in person you would tell them all about your opinion you would tell them but at the same time you don't necessarily have to post it to be vulnerable for the feedback from all different angles like you don't need to do that and two For that time of money, you might be putting into the responses then. It's not valued by the company.
0: Well, and I think so what I ended up doing, and it it kind of goes back to the conversation about Kaylee being uncomfortable calling the esthetician office. (laughs) In that instance, with Kaylee feeling uncomfortable speaking to an actual human to make an appointment, it dawns on me that my team at the time, who were mostly in their 20s, very, very much still in this social media, growing up with social media world, perceive online standing as more quote unquote real Mm -hmm. than having that human conversation. What I ended up doing in that case, because I wanted to be open to the feedback. And like I said, I was very, I'm still very conflicted about what my correct answer is and so what i ended up doing was putting out a memo to the team and shared that i'd received feedback and my my social media had always been and would continue to be about family and fun and if anyone would love to talk to me about any of the social issues happening or anything coming down from the headquarters of the company I was so open to having a face-to-face, one-on-one human conversation or small group, whatever it would be, but that I was going to continue to – they would not see it from me on social media and I was going to continue to hold that boundary, um, but made it very clear that I was super open to having the conversations and talking about it and and being in the work. And I was in the work. Um, I was definitely putting my money where my mouth was. And so – that piece felt very clear and very open to receiving the feedback, but also continuing to hold my boundary. It's It was tough, and I think it continues to be tough.
1: Yeah. Would you post it a statement you just mentioned? Would you post it something like this on your social media? I think if it was coming from family or
0: friends that... I don't interact with as much. Like if I mentioned like my cousin in Utah, right? Like if she had reached out and she's like, Hey, like I noticed that you haven't posted anything either way. Like what are your, you know, I, maybe I would have, but I also feel like anybody who truly wants to be in the conversation would reach out to me. Mm -hmm. Right. Just like this person, even though I didn't agree with it necessarily, or I had conflicting thoughts about it. This person on my team who brought this feedback, um, you know, then we did have a conversation and that did feel really good. And so it's just so interesting, the dynamic of social media and what the perception is if you're posting, if you're not posting, if you don't post enough, if you post too much, those kinds of things. And I just really like having my personal Instagram feed brought into a professional work conversation
1: just did not feel right. Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. And maybe that's just something like learning from that experience too. It's it, when you want to start your own social media and like really going full full force on it and promoting it and promoting <laughs> yourself. You need to be in the work, as you said, before and thinking about all the situation, I think, to to know what you're putting yourself out there. Also really create those boundaries, right? How would you cr- react in certain situations and really with the intent to really stay true to yourself.
0: Yeah, I think that's the key, staying true to yourself, because what's funny about this, this instance is that the person who actually brought the feedback posted a lot of things during that time. And that was the extent of her support was posting or reposting She did not attend any of the calls or meetings that were brought forth by the company. She did not attend some of the community events that were held uh, here on island. And so for me, staying true to myself does not necessarily mean posting it on social media, but it does mean reading the books and being in the work and having the tough conversations with people to learn more and also maybe teach someone something that I've learned. And so I would definitely rather walk the walk than what this person did, which was pretty much just talk the talk with nothing
1: to back it up. So I think right. that's a really smart call out for and, you. Like, And you borrow borrowing from yourself. somebody else, right? You're borrowing the information from somebody else and just right. making it relate to your situation. And I think that's, that's the difference about it. Like just, if you are not fully sure about what to post or it doesn't feel real, then do the education first and read the books that you feel completely comfortable in a few weeks in a few months in a couple years um to really back it up and maybe that and that's I think truly part of why the content I create right now, I always feel like I'm missing part of it. I'm missing a little bit of the the knowledge and I don't want to go full force in right now if somebody is calling me out on it.
0: Sabina, I'll just call. I'll give you the feedback right now. I'm going to be the one who calls you out (laughs) and say, you know your shit. You are so knowledgeable. And when you don't know the exact answer, you immediately go to research, not only because you want to help your client, like you did this with me all the time, but because you're like, "Mm, actually... I don't know all about that topic. Like when we were talking about beans and um, Karen Hurd's theory about how beans can solve any gut any health problem, problem that you have, yeah. yeah. And you immediately went to research it. So I would challenge you in that to say that it might be fear based. Like, are people going to call you out, or is it a? you know, just a self, self-awareness self or self-esteem piece of confidence that you're lacking. Because I guarantee you, lady,
1: you are not lacking in knowledge. You know your shit. Thank you so much. That is, it puts a smile on my face. You can probably hear it in my voice. And that is just something I'm in the works too. Not figuring out. I know that for a fact that I have a big issue with being resented or turned away and that is just something that has been so long engraved into my being that I slowly move away from it. It has gotten so much better over the years. Mm-hmm. But in things that are super, super important to me, I have a really hard time giving that up. And I don't think I'm the only one because we are turned turned away or turned off or just been saying no to in so many things. And... It's the simplest thing, right? Like if you're a mom, you know that you say no to a lot of things. But in my particular case, what I remember as a kid from a childhood, I was told no all the time. I barely got a yes. So that's deep. It's deep and it's something I'm working on and it's something that I don't blame anybody. I don't blame my parents for it and I don't blame anybody else. It's just something that nobody knew better. So a couple of things in my life it just comes through and one of the things is like hmm do I have enough knowledge do I go back and maybe take another course or learn something else or and this is the social media piece in it as well I'm sorry my dog is scratching the door right now. <laughs> <laughs> she's like what is this lady doing in her closet oh, by hello. herself like mom it's bedtime yeah let's go <laughs> That's the piece of the social media. I compare and contrast myself a lot. And that is something I'm aware of and I'm trying to fix. And that's why I intentionally follow only the people I really want to follow. And everything that puts out negative feelings, false perception, I choose not to look
0: at it. Yeah, it's such a good strategy. That was, I think you might have already answered my question, but I was going to say, as we're wrapping up this this episode. What is one thing you can commit to moving forward in your relationship with social media, whether it's your personal or your professional feeds?
1: Can I come back to it in a different episode? (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Um, I
0: was thinking, uh, well, I'll give you mine because I wouldn't put you on the spot if I wasn't going to put myself on the spot either. So for me, I I want, like I said, to put my money where my mouth is and say, it would be great to have a hundred thousand followers. And the the real purpose of me having a social media, whether it's my personal or my professional, is that connection piece, to be able to connect fluidly with someone I might not ever be able to talk to because of different time zones and continents. And so my, I just looked, I have 177 followers on jamiecornell.co, so my professional Instagram, and I would say I have to look, but I would venture to guess that at least half of those, I don't know them personally. And so I will take, it'll probably take me a few weeks at least, but my commitment is to anybody who follows me that I don't know personally to shoot a little note of introduction and at least create that singular point of connection and a little bit more of an intimate, like, hey, how's it going? Like, I'm Jamie, like, tell me about you, you know, whatever it is. And whether they respond or not, I'll leave up to them. So it's not a pressure situation or, or, you know, even like a selling point necessarily. But I think if I'm putting my money where my mouth is saying that what I truly care about within social media is the connection, then I have... I have at least 100 or maybe 75 people who have offered to connect with me and I haven't even spoken to them. So that's my commitment is to have a conversation with everybody that I haven't truly met yet.
1: That's beautiful. I think that's really, really cool. And you could have not come up to this thought right now in this moment, you, you had planned that out, right? No, <laughs> because was- that is such a good idea. And I no, have I just crazy. looked I I just looked at my Instagram as well, and I have four hundred sixteen followers, and I'm pretty sure I only know a hundred, hundred and twenty people. Mm. So I'm interested to also see why they're actually following me, what they actually like, which is brand research, I guess. Right. I could do the same, I guess. <laughs>
0: Well, I was not a hell. Yes, it's a hell no. So if you say,
1: I guess, okay, 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 that's, okay. Not what that's it is right. For that's you. right. All right. So what but, are we doing here? We doing we <clears> we looking up everybody who we don't know and we sending them a message. I yeah, that's so. My commitment is to over the next couple
0: of weeks spend time going through my follower list and reaching out and i'll also reach out to people i do know because that's just fun but the main focus will be to have a point of connection with a follower that i don't know to say hello maybe maybe i'll switch it up maybe i'll send like some fun quotes over just for a pick me up and see like you said i i would be interested like what what made you follow me and is there content that you would love for me to either create or I probably already have in my tool belt so I can share. So I think I'm, I'll report back though in a different episode how it's going.
1: Okay, I will give it a month as well. And I will okay. connect to at least 120 people. Okay. That, That's an exciting that was, project.
0: That was right off the cuff. I I did not plan that. You know, it would have been in our little That's true. Um, episode outline if I had been something I was going to propose, but it was just something I was thinking of you know in this conversation like i never like to complain or talk about the negative pieces of or a negative aspect of something without coming Having with a solution, solution or yeah. an idea of how i personally i'm only one human but if i'm in the work it might inspire other people to be in the work and so through this through this conversation i wanted it to have a a positive end and an action that i can walk away taking and saying yep, this is what I'm going to do to navigate my relationship with social media to make it exciting again and not a chore. So. Amazing. That's what I'm doing.
1: Really cool. I think this is such a good end of our first podcast and to really tell everybody who we really are and what we're all about. We are personal. We want to help others. Being happy with themselves and just being healthier human beings and super aware of what this world has to offer. And this leads me to telling you, thank you for this conversation. And maybe before we go, you want to tell everybody what's up next week or in two weeks when we post the second episode. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes, I am so excited about episode two. Obviously, we have not recorded it yet. That's going to happen next week. And we, in honor of October, which in America is a focus on mental health. So, awareness around all things, you know, that the might be social pressures or anything we can do to elevate our energy, and our mental health. And so we will have a guest for episode two. Her name is Jamie Ann. She is a medicine woman and business alchemist from Australia, and she is a good friend. She was actually, well, is, I shouldn't say was. She is my coach in all things energy healing and business savvy as far as creating my brand and really having that North star of where I want to go and what I'm actually creating and what kind of magic I can put into the world. And so she is going to talk to us about really being in tune with what is happening for our energy space so that when times get tough and when we are going through things, we have a really solid guide and can listen to what our bodies and our minds need to get us back into alignment. And when things are going really well, how we continue to keep the abundance and the happiness coming in. So she is truly magical. And I am so excited for her to hop on here and share what, share what she will.
1: Yeah, I'm super excited to share as well.
0: Okay, sounds good. Well, until next time, Miss Sabina.
1: Don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up, Jamie. And if you do, we'll fix it. It's okay.